Good morning, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Hope you are healthy and well. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Steve Cashel, joined by my usual co-host. He is Dr. Brian Cole from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, also the head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Our producer is Shane Reed. Dr. Cole, how are you on this Saturday morning? Steve, I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you. Uh, everyone's healthy and feel like we're getting some semblance, although doing things differently with masks and still lots of hand washing. But I'll tell you, it just feels good to start seeing some patients and doing some necessary surgery uh, So that, uh, then, and some little bit of activity with the bulls. So things are good. Excellent. Our first topic this morning, Dr. Cole, is going to be about stress and its impacts on your immune system. Uh, have you been particularly stressful, more stressful during this time? You know, I'm. It's a, it's a great question, and I, I would and I and I think anyone who says that they haven't, uh, they they haven't been more stressful, probably just doesn't really know what stress feels like. I would say that I'm probably one of those people, Steve, that I'm not really sure what stress feels like because I'm always, you know, so busy doing so much, and I feel like there's a capacity issue, but. I would say that, you know, over the last several weeks, quite frankly, I think there's no way I haven't possibly had a profoundly elevated amount of stress just given all of the, you know, the, the, the unanticipated turns and every day seems to bring about a different set of responsibilities and reactions in, you know, my world because of how I run the group and uh, the obligations I have in addition to, you know, all the other things that you and I do. So, yeah, I would say yes. And I would say for me, it probably manifests in... Um, probably eat differently. And, um, uh, I think that happens. And I think also, um, I would say that, uh, sleeping is, is another sign. So those are the two things for me that, uh, probably weigh the most when we're talking about, you know, whether or not one of us is stressed. I don't know how you manifest it, but those are probably two things for me that clearly make it, uh, I can tell you that I've had more stress. Yeah, I've just been stressed with uh, not seeing my boys play. I can't wait to get my uh, older son, Corey, my 15-year-old, back on the ice. He's a AAA hockey player, and he's working out hard off the ice, but can't wait to see him and then my younger guy who uh, just recently turned 13 years old and is now 6'1". Uh, he's doing a little football on the side, and then he can't wait to play his full baseball travel schedule. So um, I'm chomping at the bit to watch them play, but uh, other than that... Uh, Everything is okay at home. Uh, to talk more about stress and its impacts on your immune system, we've got a great guest, uh, one of our standards here on Sports Medicine Weekly, one of the best, uh, board-certified integrative health coach and eating psychology coach, Dr., or I should say, Karen Mulkin. She probably has a doctorate somewhere. Karen, how are you this morning? Doing well. Thank you. Well, May is Mental Health Month Karen, and an extremely stressful time with this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, give us some strategies that you're recommending to your clients to help combat their stress. Yeah, this is a really tough time. Um, I think for me, it helps to think about a little bit of the science around stress and what that actually means to inspire both myself and others to really take on some of these mind-body um, techniques to really change their stress response. And like stress is any real or imagined threat. So, you know, we have real stuff happening now with this virus. 
And we can also have a huge stress response where we can imagine ourselves getting really sick with this virus when maybe right now the three of us are perfectly you know, healthy and fine. And so what happens is in a stress response is, is it elicits a spike in cortisol, which is your fight or flight hormone. And when cortisol, goes up, when cortisol goes up, insulin goes up, and that's your fat storage hormone. And what Dr. Cole was saying is he's sort of living right now in a day in and day out, maybe continual low-level stress response where you probably have continuous elevated cortisol and insulin, and this is basically probably becoming your new normal. So, you know, if you're getting up in the morning and on a scale from 1 to 10 and you're thinking that, well, I'm just living in a, like I wake up in a, in a, in a 4 out of 10, and then as the day goes on, maybe I'm a 7 out of 10, and imagine what life could be like if you could wake up, you know, in a 2 out of 10, and maybe your day becomes a 4 out of 10. And so there's, you know, mind-body uh, modalities really are helpful for bringing down stress. And there's so many, like so much research around in neuroanatomy that talks about how the human brain develops and functions, that the brain is malleable and it's like plastic and it's moldable by both positive and negative thoughts and experiences. And so uh, we can change the way we think. And so this is where meditation, breath work can help you rewire your brain and kind of reset your pattern. Karen, Karen, let me ask you a question. I, I gave you two cues that if you were, I think that you were on the line um, when we, I mentioned maybe eating, I would say maybe less disciplined eating. Okay. There isn't a person I know that isn't drinking more at, at night. And I don't mean mm -hmm. like, I don't mean like coming home and just getting, you know, drinking tons of alcohol and getting, you know, annihilated. I'm just saying people are, you know, they come home and they want to have a glass of wine and maybe they're using this for relaxation where they would normally just wouldn't even think about doing that. Um, mm -hmm. And and I also mentioned, you know, the sleep thing. I mean, how, how, how do you think, like when you deal with your clients, how does someone know they're stressed? Like I think the sleep is one, you know, when you normally know your sleep patterns and all of a sudden they're disrupted. I've talked to a lot of people, my patients, you know, it seems like many, many people have a trouble sleeping. Many, many people are eating, um, you know, without, with less discipline and, or for all you and I know, they have different, you know, hankerings or satiety indexes or whatever, you know, they don't get full, they don't, they're overeating or eating at different times. I mean, how do you think it most commonly manifests in people and how they know they're actually stressed? Yes. Yes and yes, both. So you're noticing it in your sleep. I notice it too in my sleep. I'll get up in the middle of the night. And so I'll start to incorporate breath techniques. And the breath techniques get your body out of the stress response and into this parasympathetic relaxed state. And I think the three of us did this four, seven, eight breath together on one of our, um, one, one of our times together. And I ask, I do this with my clients, and we typically start our sessions with some breath work, and we'll talk about how they felt before and how they feel after, and it's, um, it's amazing what the impact of just some breath work for two minutes can have on your stress physiology, because your ability to think more clearly, IQ goes up when you're relaxed. I mean, I'm sure you felt at times, well, maybe not you because you're in surgery and you probably have really nailed it down, but most people have been so stressed that you just can't think straight, you know? And so if you can get yourself out of that stress response, your thinking is more clear. 
and your heart rate goes down, digestion improves, the way you assimilate your nutrients enhances, and you're actually burning more calories because you're using more oxygen. So breath work is really important, especially when you're getting up and not sleeping because, you know, your REM sleep, your deep sleep, your heart rate variability, your core body temperature, you know, those are all indicators of, um, of your overall health status. So we really, you know, quality sleep is really important. And then as far as the food, like the, you know, quote, mindless eating, that's exactly what it is. You know, we're reaching for sugar, for energy. We're reaching for something to get us out of overwhelm or an emotion that we don't want to be feeling. And it's normal because humans naturally seek pleasure and avoid pain. So why do I want to feel bad right now when I can just eat some chocolate and I can feel better? Yes, in the moment. But if I eat too much, then it's not going to be helpful for me because either I'm going to be putting on weight or my blood sugar is going to go up or I won't be able to fall asleep. So, you know, mindfulness and just being in that moment really helps. And, you know, to recommend starting a 20 minutes transcendental meditation program twice a day, sure, that would be ideal. But starting with deep breathing and this 478 breath, Dr. Andrew Weil, you can you know, look at it on uh, YouTube, uh, Google it. It's inhale through your nose to a count of four. Hold a breath to a count of seven. Exhale to a count of eight. Four cycles. After about two weeks, you do this twice a day, you'll notice a huge change in your stress physiology, how you're relating to people. Um, you know, there's just so much we can do just, just around our breath. We're visiting with Karen Mulkin, board-certified integrative health coach and eating psychology expert. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. We're talking about stress and its impacts on your immune system. You can sign up for Karen's bi-monthly newsletters. You can follow Karen on Instagram at Karen Malkin, M-A-L-K-I-N Health or reach out to Karen directly to schedule a one-on-one consultation to help you live the life you desire and deserve. And Karen's website is Karen Mulkin. Dot com And Karen, uh, before we let you go, please discuss your new protein brownie bars called the Thank You Bar. I know you're donating to healthcare workers at Rush and Swedish and Northwestern Highland Park at Evanston Hospitals, which is really a, uh, a great thing you're doing. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about these bars. They're almond butter, sweetened with dates, chocolate protein, um, you know, cocoa, raw cacao chunks, and they'll be ready in a about two weeks, and it's basically a thank you to those on the front line, the essential workers, and just, you know, my, my gift of gratitude. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that about that project. Karen, what what would you say, you, I know one of the things you, you think about is like foods that could sort of put someone in a, in a, is there something you can eat or do, do you believe, that would in fact, either whether it's hormones or proteins, affect your mood? Well, definitely foods for moods are going to be foods that are going to help you balance your blood sugar because if you've got this spike in blood sugar, you've got the spike in energy, you've got this higher mood, and then you've got the crash. So to have balanced blood sugars, you want to have healthy fats, avocados, nuts and seeds, olive oil, um, clean proteins to help balance fats. But, you know, other things, and then, of course, immune-supporting foods that are rich in vitamins A and C and phytonutrients are going to help support a healthy immune system. So those would be your fruits and mostly vegetables. And, you know, since we're not going to the grocery store every day, you can find longer-lasting produce like, you know, apples and beets and carrots and radishes and 
squash and potatoes and onions and garlic. And then, you know, dark leafy greens are the top of the food chain for immune boosting, uh, liver cleansing. But, you know, another way to help reduce stress with food is is sharing meals together with your family if you're quarantining with your family because that can really help uh, reduce signs of depression and anxiety around this pandemic. And for people who live alone, put on some music, light a candle, do a video chat with a friend or a family member because this isolation um, really affects our mood. So really trying to stay connected. Great stuff. Karen, uh, really appreciate you taking time and joining us, uh, especially during this uh, stressful time for everybody and letting your expertise again, KarenMulkin.com. Stay safe, Karen. You and your family wish you all the best. Oh, you as well. Thanks. And let's move on. And Dr. Cole, next topic, I want to talk about some common baseball injuries and rehabilitation. And a gentleman from Athletic will be joining us here in a couple of seconds. But um, uh, are things starting to ramp up uh, in your orthopedic practice? Steve, they are. You know, I've certainly had projections that uh, for a variety of reasons, the fact that there's uh, very little in the way of organized sports, uh, people are uh, unfortunately uh, unemployed, do not have health insurance, they're not as active, and we're seeing just less sort of, uh, you know, load or injury-related phenomenon where the business will be down for a bit. Good thing for individuals, but not good if it's associated with less activity. Um, That being said, we're starting to see pick up as people are comfortable with maintaining social distancing, wearing masks. They're still getting out there and beginning to be active. And quite, quite frankly, my office this last week, you know, I had a number of young people who are starting to throw and train and do things. So they're, they're, they're getting some signs of overuse and so forth. So, you know, we're going to, you know, the world will be a little bit different for a bit, but people when they're active are still going to get uh, injuries and, 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 and disability. So it's happening, but I, I, you know, it's not going to be at the same pace. I think that we're all accustomed to. Let's bring our next guest, Eric Kroll. Eric is an occupational hand therapist at Athletico, athletico.com. They do such a Wonderful job. And uh, Eric, let's talk right now, if we can, and, and relate this to the pandemic uh, going on. Um, kids are obviously trying to throw outside um, where they can, but without uh, probably proper coaching. Uh, what are some of the common injuries to the shoulder and elbow in uh, overhead athletes that uh, people should be aware of? Yeah, thanks for both having me. Um, so at Athletico, one of the, the more uh, common injuries that we see with the upper body um, are due to overuse or uh, repetitive mechanisms to the shoulder girdle or to the elbow. Um, so with, with kids coming out now and the weather getting nicer, uh, maybe we have to look at what they were doing um, the past couple weeks or the past couple months prior to this to ensure that they're, they're one, their mechanics are where they need to be, uh, and two, have they been uh, training some of their, their functional core uh, or other areas of the body um, that could prevent some of these repetitive or overuse injuries to the shoulder and the elbow? Um, so with us, uh, we'll see, uh, you know, athletes or players uh, have impingement syndrome, which will affect the tendons uh, or the muscles of the rotator cuff. Um, and depending on where they come uh, with their, their recovery process, um, will determine um, what sort of skill-specific or, or functional strengthening exercises that we'll choose to do with them. What are some of the things that you do for your athletes with uh, upper extremity uh, problems in terms of the non-surgical realm? Yeah, so 
for me personally, I like to use a lot of isometric strengthening um, as well as dynamic stabilization. Um, and I think both of those in combination with one another um, will will get the, the mechanics uh, where they need to be, um, as well as looking at the the body from a, a, a gross perspective and addressing breakdowns or some weaknesses along the kinetic chain, maybe at the core or the hips. Um, so just because we're looking at a shoulder or an elbow problem, um, I do like to address other areas of the body that will ultimately improve uh, the mechanics uh, and, and the, the performance. Visiting with Eric Kral from Athletico. Eric, uh, tell our listeners, um, you guys are open, aren't you? Uh, the Most of the athletic athletical facilities, if not all of them, um, if people feel comfortable enough to come in. Yeah, we, we're here. We're running normal business hours uh, as usual. Uh, and we also have uh, rolled out our telehealth services. If someone is unable to or uncomfortable uh, with coming into the clinic for uh uh, a customized treatment program, we can do telehealth visits through the computer or through the phone um, in a safe manner if, if the person so wishes. Uh, and that therapy is equally as customized uh, to the patient's injury uh, and, and where their goals and recovery process are at. And Dr. Cole, uh, let me ask you as it relates to uh, physical therapists and specifically here athletic, uh, you probably did surgeries on them in January, February before we were uh, kind of shelter in place. And um, talk about the importance of uh, continuing uh, rehab and what some of your patients have been doing and how uh, they can take advantage of Athletico being open. Steve, it's uh, important that when we've made a decision to do surgery for something that is either time sensitive or considered urgent, that we also have the ability to manage them after surgery. So uh, what we're hearing from Eric is that, you know, Athletico and these offices having availability, uh, but at the same time practicing, you know, proper social distancing, patient and staff screening, uh, that, that's, that, allows us to go full circle and provide all the things that they need. Uh, in addition to that, we have been using the telemedicine uh, a- a aspect, and Athletico has been great at providing that for our patients where need be. So I would argue that um, you know it can be business as usual. We just have to be very thoughtful that we don't overwhelm the system because it is a bit less efficient, but you can still provide the same quality care. But at the same time, less efficient, Steve, it's the demands are a bit less anyway. So I think patients are actually having a very good experience, fortunately, uh, uh, at a time when uh, you know surgery is it has to be done and final question for eric kroll again joining us as our guest from athletico eric what are some of the things people can do to prevent injury while participating in baseball softball or any other overhead sports yeah thanks for that question i think the my best recommendation would be to a address proper mechanics first and then secondly look at um, not only areas uh, that involve the skill um, like the shoulder or the elbow, but, but look at the other areas and how they're training those as well, like the core and the hips and the leg muscles. Uh, I think cross-training and giving variety to the workouts will prevent overuse injury, uh, and I think it will ultimately lead them, um, uh, keep them on the field for, for much longer w- with uh, less risk of overuse. Good stuff. Eric Kroll, Athletico, Athletico.com. And folks, they are open, so uh, take advantage of their services. They do an awesome job. And Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Okay, thank you both. And Dr. Cole and I have to take a break. And when we come back, it's our Ask the Doctor segment. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly only on... 
670 the score. And we're back on the Saturday morning Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment, giving our listeners the opportunity to have Dr. Cole address their specific sports injury issues. Very easy to submit a question. Just go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. On the homepage, you will find a link underneath the photo of Dr. Cole and yours truly on the right side of that homepage. Click on that link and you can submit your question. Dr. Cole, got a great question here from one of our listeners. Uh, asking you this. Now, in light of the recent NFL draft, Dr. Cole, how do you think professional sports teams are preparing their organizations for a restart to the season and possible COVID-19 positive players and staff, a.k.a. what happens if the starter is asymptomatic but then tests positive for the virus? Uh, one has to be quarantined for 14 days. Well, I think, Steve, you know, it's, it's important to understand that a lot of the plans for professional sports to emerge are somewhat theoretical and it has to be contemplated in stages. One is just getting players in the same place at the same time to be able to effectively train in a safe way for both the players and the staff before they begin you know, uh, participating in their sport. Then the concept of participating in their sport will ultimately, uh, without fans for example, will ultimately involve testing and repeat testing uh, with isolated quarantine uh, between tests. That's possibly a strategy that people are contemplating. And um, and that's independent of whether or not they have the antibodies showing the possibility of having the infection in the past, where we still struggle with can you change behaviors uh, of people once they know they have the antibodies. So that's another side story. Uh, but if someone tests positive and they're asymptomatic, uh, we, you know, unlike when this first started where we didn't know what to do, I would say that in the uh, event that people have not been spending a, uh, a prolonged period of time around someone who's positive within six feet without a mask, uh, they would be considered very low risk of contracting the disease. What we do know is that when someone's asymptomatic and test positive, they might, because of the incubation time, they may actually develop symptoms in, say, three to five days. Uh, we also know that if they're testing positive, there's a chance that they can transmit the disease and they're infectious despite not having symptoms. Um, but it, it is important for everyone to understand that is the basic principle around washing your hands, not touching your eyes and your face and your nose and your mouth, uh, and you know always repeatedly washing hands and also wearing a mask where and when possible uh, uh, to avoid respiratory transmission. That being said, we know that masks are not going to be a very practical way, for example, for players to play. So if they do so, if they do play, testing is going to be a big part of it, and we will have a strategy in place as to how to manage the person who has no symptoms yet test positive to isolate and or quarantine them away from other team members. And it won't necessarily have to have 14 days, but it would have to have several days to, to see if they indeed uh, develop symptoms. The current recommendation is 10 days from the time they tested positive, they must be without symptoms. Okay, Dr. Cohen, one more before we have to sign off on this Saturday morning. It seems like telemedicine has really taken off in the past few weeks as a convenient and useful tool for medicine. Uh, Dr. Cole, as businesses gradually get back to normal, do you foresee your practice still using telemedicine? Yes. You know, when we first started in the beginning of March, I only had three practitioners at Midwest Orthopedics doing telemedicine. Within 48 hours, we had over 100 people trained. And that was what we were doing nearly exclusively for four to six weeks. Now we've realized that there are some benefits. 
The first is the fact that insurance actually reimburses it, so it provides a viable option for patients. The second is that patient acceptance has actually been very high, and everyone is looking for ways to sort of minimize travel and exposure and efficiencies. Even absent of COVID, it provides efficiencies for the patient. Arguably, however, there are many inefficiencies in terms of when multiple tests have to be reviewed, when there are clerical things that have to be done, like writing physical therapy orders or off work slips and things of that nature, uh, or when physical examination is a critical part of making a decision, that becomes sort of challenging for telemedicine. So, you know, in short, I've redefined what we were doing, which was telemedicine only, to telemedicine first when possible in the office because we actually have to limit the numbers of patients that are flowing through our, our office just because of concerns of social distancing. So we'll reduce the amount of patients being seen in the office compared to pre-COVID times, but we're also figuring out a way to say, hey, when you come in my office, let's make the next visit a telemedicine visit. Or if it's a patient who calls and says, look, I'm an existing patient, I'm having some new symptoms, we can do a telemedicine visit. Uh, however, if it's complicated decision-making, requires review of imaging and scans, it can be done by telemedicine, but we've learned that it actually is, can be particularly inefficient. So we're trying to figure out the best way to use it. I think using it exclusively is much more difficult than people anticipated, but using it as a filler to reduce high volumes to the office so that all of our staff and our patients can remain safe is going to be the best practice model that we're going to use at Midwest Orthopedics. I'm really confident that it's something that's here to stay. Great stuff, Dr. Cole. My best to you, your family, your patients, your staff. Stay healthy. Talk with you again next week. Thank you, Steve. Have a great week. Best to you and your family. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Tracy Torr. also want to thank David Cole for managing our website, which is sportsmedicineweekly.com, and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. We thank you for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. We'll be back again next Saturday at 8 a.m. Central with a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.